2: Hello and welcome to Talk Money to Me. This is your need to know
3: financial podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Candace Burke and I'm Felicity Thomas. Now today we have a really, really exciting episode. We've actually done a crossover with the Equity Mates team, Alec and Bryce.
2: Exactly. We were super pumped to sit down with the guys because, as you know, we're celebrating on a week long uh, celebration of our one year and adversary here at Talk Money to Me. So really great to get to sit down with the guys and have a chat about what we've learned, you know, doing podcasts, the order pad as always, because it's our favorite episodes and we know you guys love it too. And we kind of delve a little bit into the markets and opportunity that we're seeing right now. And we sort of somehow end up talking about property in the metaverse,
3: right? (laughs) That's it. And we actually spoke a lot about financial advice and the importance of financial advice and how to actually find the right financial advisor. So very excited for you to listen to this episode. Now remember, our chat today is not considered personal advice. Even though we're registered advisors at Shore and Partners, please note that the podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. And everything is accurate as of the 13th of September
2: 2022. Alright, so we're super excited to bring you this special. Episode. Let's listen to our chat.
4: So, we're excited for this episode because Candace and Felicity are both um, professional financial advisors, and we're going to take the opportunity to ask some common questions that we get from our audience that um, we often aren't at liberty to discuss. But given that you guys are both um, doing this professionally, we thought it would be a good opportunity. So uh, if you haven't listened to Candace and Felicity um, before, make sure you go and uh, sign up to talk money to me. They are both financial advisors at Shore and Partners and candace is a senior investment advisor felicity a senior private wealth advisor and together they're passionate about improving financial literacy and closing the retirement gap between men and women so plenty to unpack here today and a reminder that while candace and felicity are licensed financial advisors ren and i are certainly not (laughs) so nothing that we say should be taken as advice and while candace and felicity are licensed they are not aware of your personal financial circumstances and nothing they say should be taken as personal financial advice
5: that's the hardest part of our job done now we get to turn the attention on you and uh ask you all the questions that we can't normally uh answer ourselves but before then uh we want to try a bit of a game we're calling it this or that i guess just to get a sense of uh what what you're interested in as investors but let's start uh this or that uh we want you to choose which one you would prefer stocks or property and candace why don't we start with you
2: Okay, well, I'm going to go with both. I know it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but think about it this way. When you go to the gym, right, if you only focused on leg day, you'd have the world's best legs. So you need to both flex both sides of the body, right? And I think of the same way with the financial markets. You want to be diversified and you want to constantly look at your whole portfolio. So stocks and property, both for me.
4: All right, Felicity, this or that, contributing extra to super or investing outside of super?
3: That's a good question. So for me, it's actually really going to be dependent on your taxable income, right? So if you're only earning $30,000 a year, it doesn't make a lot of sense tax-wise to put more money in super at this point. But if you're earning $230,000, it can be great to reduce your taxable income by putting money into super if you're only $30,000, start with a portfolio outside. But I think a bit of both again is key. Nice.
5: Nice. Well, as someone who hasn't contributed any extra to my super, <laughs> I should take that advice. Uh, <laughs> but Candace, let's go back to you. Uh, this or that, Warren Buffett or Kathy Wood?
2: Oh, this is such a hard one. I do love Kathy and I do love her, her long-term vision and and preference for innovative sectors, but you can't go past Warren Buffett in my eyes. He's just the godfather of of investing and, and being the long term. I think he sort of almost pioneered the buy hold, right? Like he's he doesn't he rarely sells. And if he does, it's like a it's like the end of the world event for him. So Buffett all the way.
4: <laughs> <laughs> love nice. it. Love it. And to close out, Felicity, this or that, a company that has consistent profit or unprofitable growth?
3: Okay, so I think the best companies to invest in are the ones that are growing and are showing a clear pathway to profitability. So, not yet profitable? That's
4: that's a very professional answer. <laughs> so, a answer. little <laughs> bit of both. You
5: see that? <laughs> so, not yet profitable.
3: That's saying both, but in a very professional way.
5: <laughs> nice, nice.
3: <laughs> no, because the thing is, not all companies start out profitable, right? And you don't also want to miss out on these businesses just because they're not having consistent profit. Then you've got ones that have mm. consistent profit, but they're not really growing. You know, are you just in mm. it for a dividend yield? That's not going to make you a millionaire.
4: No. Mm. Well, could over a long period of time compounding. It made... It <laughs> (laughs) made Twiggy a
3: billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) But he had growth, right? True, true. True. He did have a lot
0: of
5: growth.
4: As we said at the top of the show, it's a happy anniversary to both of you for one year of Talk Money To Me. You've done an awesome job of um, building a podcast that really is uh, now a podcast for not only the financial advice industry, but uh, for those that don't often get access to financial advice, but can get insight into what you both do and uh, we thought we'd take this opportunity to understand what you may have learnt and uh, go down memory lane on some of the stock picks that you've taken over the past year or so. So Felicity, what, what have been some of your major learnings over the past year from talk money to me?
3: From an investment standpoint, honestly, it's just you need to be patient and catalysts will play out, but patience is the key when investing. And I think Buffett said that as well, right? The stock market is a mechanism of transferring wealth from the impatient to the patient.
5: It always takes longer than you expect, but- that that patience and that that persistence is worth it.
3: hundred percent.
5: What about
4: you, Candace?
2: Also, the power of editing, right? <laughs> like something again, <laughs> something <laughs> thank you, Sasha. Takes an hour <laughs> and you somehow it comes out at like thirty minutes. It's amazing. No, lots of things, lots <laughs> of things. Um, it's there's a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of support around you, so it's not just an overnight quick fix kind of thing. Um, and it's been great from my perspective because it's a little bit of creativeness that we get to do throughout the week, which is. Nice to mix up, you know, our usual day jobs, right? At the end of the day. So it's a good talking point for clients. It's sort of like an icebreaker. And it's been a lot of fun. And there's stuff that I'm actually learning chatting with CEOs that I I perhaps wouldn't have learned in a boardroom because it's a bit more intimate, right, having a personal conversation. Mm. And it's
3: also quite interesting being like, what did people want to know? Like, what do people not know? What do they want to know? And what can we share with them every week? So thinking of Mm. that new content and those questions and really digging deep in our interviews.
4: The constant game of content. (laughs) There's
5: always more to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the one thing I love about your show is that uh, I think there's a good mix of different content types talking about trying to find the the next episode's content. You've got uh, interviews with CEOs and investors. You've got need-to-know segments where you explain concepts. But I think, uh, and I haven't looked at the data to back this up, but I I think the data would bear it out that your most popular episodes are your order pad episodes where you talk about specific companies, you break them down, what they do, what their financials are telling us um, and, and why you like them or you don't like them. Now, over the course of the year, You both have made a number of Autopad picks and people can go back and listen in your back catalogue. I want to ask both of you this question to kick it off. Whose Autopad picks have gone better?
3: (laughs) Uh, Mine.
0: Felicity. (laughs) 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 I've got the bigger winners. (laughs) I've got the bigger winners. (laughs) So Felicity's
2: (laughs) investment type is, like she said at the start, right, it's very high risk, high reward. So she's got the top gainer, which is silex, but then the biggest drag. So that's the uh, risk right? you've got okay. to take on. as Also, as an actually, investor. hold on, hold on, hold on. It's the biggest truth. drag. We've got Australian on the potash. <laughs> Astra- yeah, no, APC is one so of th- the this biggest. This is drags. this is the uh, this is the, the real kick of it. When um, when I hit refresh, the good news is, guys, we're actually up double digits now, that just shows how much the market can move in in a quick second, right? So we actually, have, when we did our refresh, happy birthday um, episodes, the revamp, we were only up about six stocks out of the 20. Now we're up eight, so almost halfway. Okay. But um, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because we've obviously been doing the podcast for one year, but we've had some stocks in the portfolio for like
3: three weeks,
2: right? A month, two months. Mm.
3: We started Talk Money To Me in September last year and the market peaked November last yeah. year. <laughs> great,
0: it's timing. Not exactly, great timing. Great
2: it's
3: not exactly <laughs> been the best 12 months for us. No,
5: no. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. Have you outperformed the ASX 200?
3: No. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, no, we, 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 we're, <laughs> we're up um, 14% it it'll Oh, you're up for take. If you take, a, that's if that's take true. away Smash deep yellow, yeah. if you take
2: away deep yellow, it's sort of no. We're definitely not,
3: But Candice. Uh, you can't take away my stock pick. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> it was there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking it away. Sack <laughs> it, sack so it. So deep <laughs> yellow was Vimy. The, tra- right? the tracker on deep yellow is a bit. We've left it as a nice price, let's say that. If we came back to real terms, we're down about 3%.
3: Are you just saying you're fudging numbers? I'm not fudging numbers. It's just my spreadsheet was uh, not working (laughs) when I quickly did refresh
2: this morning. I was like, 14 sounds good. (laughs) <laughs> All
4: right. Well, I guess the I guess the follow-up here is we've got people listening at home who may be in a similar situation trying to pick stocks as the market falls. And, of course, you've done this for the purpose of content, so we must remember that.
5: Yeah, but, um, and it's not personal, it's not personal, advice personal advice financial advice because Felicity and Candice are not aware of your personal yeah, circumstances. Yeah, but
4: what, what would be some sort of takeaways or lessons of doing these order pads at a time where markets are pretty volatile? And how would you sort of explain the last sort of 12 months?
2: Well, I think one thing to remember is if you look at the laggers, right, Australian Potash and Blackstone, they're, they're very high growth. They're very small cap. They're long term. So when we picked those particular sectors, or I should say when we picked those particular companies, they're in the future facing commodities, right? So that's an example where if you look at it on a short-term basis, you'd be really upset with yourself because you're thinking, why did I go to those companies? We we are a long-term investor and that's our philosophy. So it's, it's obviously a hard emotional thing, you know, behavioural finance 101, you always look at your own portfolio and you think, I could have done better. In a down market in particular, I think it comes back to really knowing your risk tolerance and why you're setting out to invest because at the end of the day you don't want to cause more emotional stress on yourself if you if you have the tendency to go yep it's okay I'm down 60 odd percent or whatever it is in those particular names but it's two percent of my whole portfolio I invested in that for 10 plus years it's really hard to but it's coming back to just getting rid of the short-term noise and thinking long-term but to answer your question guys for this this moment right now that we're seeing, we're sort of on this like crossroad. Are we going to go down a deep recession or not? Is it going to be quick? Are we going to fix it with, you know, fresh capital like we've done in the past? I I think it comes back to maybe just coming a little bit risk off, going back to your strong balance sheets, your your kind of more stick to your knitting, like we, we commonly said on our show quite a few times, um, and only having maybe... I don't know, 10% less than what you normally have as growth, right? Because if you can't handle that volatility, that's completely fine. Just go in an index fund. Yeah. <laughs> if you
6: can't handle mm. the volatility. It's, it's the hardest
2: thing, I always say it in a meeting, This you probably gets really sick of me saying this, it's like trying to catch a falling knife. You cannot catch the bottom. It is just too hard. So dollar cost averaging, we, we talk about it a lot. Keep doing that, stay the journey and just remember why you pick those companies for your diversified portfolio.
3: And if you have more winners than losers, then you're winning, right? If you're in the direct stock game. Uh, that's that's, be nice. that's very true. <laughs> that's <has laughs> nice. how are your portfolio is going at the moment.
4: I haven't really taken a huge interest in my stock portfolio of late. Um, that's, but that's obviously I'm I'm down from where we were a few months ago, but I've taken this opportunity to really put as much money in as as i can keeping in mind that i still want a bit of powder dry in case we do go further south but like our time horizons are so long and there's so many awesome opportunities out there that this has been an exciting time for ren and i we haven't we haven't looked at this as a uh, you know, I, I guess we're fortunate in that position that we have a time horizon that allows us to be excited about this moment
5: yeah. rather than not. I have a couple of stocks that are down about 80%. Mm. Shopify has smacked me, mm. um, but on the whole, uh, I actually feel pretty good about where I'm at. I'm similar to Bryce. I have loaded up a lot the last couple of months, so brought my average buying price of some of those tech names, the bigger tech names are uh, down, which was nice. But I've also uh, just taken the opportunity to load up on the index, um, a couple of indexes um, around the world. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. There, there's a running joke that I sold my car to get liquidity. <laughs> there were other factors that uh, <laughs> led me ask? to sell my car. So it's
3: not a joke, you actually
5: did it? <laughs> I did sell my car. And I took that money and put it in the stock market. Well,
3: that's a better investment so technically then.
5: I did sell my car to get liquidity. <laughs> it's a better like investment. Fortunately, it was
4: sold to scrap metals.
5: So oh, uh, no <laughs> I driving sold your car. my car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's all. Yeah. So I, I feel okay, but there are a couple of stocks, some that I still hold that are a, a weight, an mm. anchor. What's more than an anchor? That
3: you don't want anymore? cement
5: block. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you've, you've lost conviction. Uh, <laughs>
5: we sold no. a few
4: before tax time.
3: Oh, yeah.
5: We did. We did. Clear, yeah. yeah. When Bryce says we did, it sounds like we have a joint yeah. portfolio.
4: <laughs> you guys should But do I
5: one. promise you, we don't do everything together. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Equity yeah, mates cleared our balance sheet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Anyway, let's, let's keep moving and, and um, have a chat about some of the financial advice stuff that we've been itching to talk to you about. And we've pulled together some questions from our community as well. Let's start, Candice. What What are some of the common misconceptions or mistakes that you often see in new clients coming to you seeking financial advice?
2: Yeah, um, that's a really good question. There's there's a few that pop to my head, but one that I kind of love. It's a bit of a internal funny joke. Is when you sit down with a hopefully a new client and they say, "Look, I've been in the markets for." X amount of years, I'm pretty good, I've got some really good stocks, I'm well diversified and I'm in low-risk stuff. And you're like, okay, great, and then you have a look and they're, they're holding the big four banks, Telstra, BHP and Fortescue or something like that. So it just <laughs> well comes back to... Yeah, right? You know, I've got four banks, right? Yeah. <laughs> diversified. You know, that just comes back to education. I don't think we were taught that really... At school, I remember my uni, they just kind of fobbed it off. Like it was a quick thing. It really comes back to, I guess people, they think they're comfortable in the property market. They think they're comfortable in the ASX top 100 and they stick into that lane. So when you start to educate them and open them to other asset classes, for example, can I give you less risk, but a more guaranteed return? They start to go, yeah, that's great. And then just opens up their eyes. So I think, yeah, education is a big one for us. That's why, that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast, because we just want to give back to to the general public on what we know. Because mm. it's not
3: just equities, right? And property. Um, there's so many other asset classes. We did have a really good episode on hybrids, which I think is something that a lot of investors don't know about. And it's great if you want that consistent quarterly income as well. Mm. I also think a lot of people are under-advised and under-insured and a lot of people would see that financial advice is just too expensive and where do I seek it? Where do I find a good financial advisor? If you actually seek the right advice and you set up your investments in the right structures, first, it saves you a lot of money down the track.
4: Insurance is an interesting one there, Felicity. What do you mean by underinsured?
3: So in regards to your personal insurances, so your life insurance, your total permanent disability insurance, trauma and income protection, I think a lot of young people think, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't need that. But take income protection, for example. You'll happily insure your car or you'll insure your house, but you don't think about insuring your most important asset, which is your ability to work and earn an income. So income protection kicks in if you're injured or ill and unable to work and you've run out of annual leave and sick leave.
5: (laughs) Well, Felicity, let's do the audit here. Bryce, do you have income protection insurance? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I do either, but I might have it through my super. Is that something you can get through your super? No, I know who your super does and I don't think they have
3: it. You can get it. Oh, it's You don't cover. know
5: me. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> at most industry funds have default cover, um, but the issue is it's not generally covering your actual income and the wait period could be 90 days and maybe you need it at 30 days. And the issue with life insurance and TPD, if you haven't done underwritten cover, is it decreases with age. And to be honest, you probably want your insurance um, to at least stay the same um, or increase with age.
5: Okay. There we go. So we're underinsured. Sounds like Correct.
3: And you guys have a business, right? So you should, what happens if something happens to one of you, to the business? Do you have a buy-sell agreement in place? You know, who's going to take (laughs) over? (laughs) Who's going to take one of your spots? Like think about those things. Then we
5: merge with a SPAC and dump our shares (laughs) on the share market. (laughs)
3: Valid so, questions. Maybe <laughs> we
5: need to come into the office. Well, look, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think, uh, I think the thing that Bryce and I definitely realise, and I think so many people in the Equity Mates community realise, is that they are under-advised. Like, I, I am under no pretences that I, like, I, I recognise that I could benefit from a financial advisor, but it's difficult to know where to go. And then, the, obviously, there's a high, I guess, initial cost with the statement of advice. I guess we want to talk through that and get your advice on how people can navigate the world of financial advisors, how they can find the one that works for them. But before then, we're going to take a quick break. So one day Bryce and I can afford a financial advisor.
6: (laughs) If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
1: So welcome
5: back. We're joined by Candace and Felicity, the superstar hosts of Talk Money To Me, a podcast. If you're not listening to, you should go and check out. Uh, Candace and Felicity are celebrating their one year anniversary of Talk Money To Me. So we're celebrating that, but we're also here to pick their brains because as licensed financial advisors, they can say a lot more on their podcast than Bryce and I can say they also just know a lot more and so we want to we want to really understand that uh before the break we were speaking about australians that were under advised and i guess i don't have a financial advisor bryce no financial advisor no so candace and felicity for two people that don't have an advisor how do we start where do we start how do we navigate the world
3: Yeah, so I mean, that's a good question, right? Um, You can actually look up different advisors on the advisor register um, and you're able to search people on advisor ratings as well, depending on what you're looking for or what area you're in. Um, If you don't actually want to go and see a financial advisor, you should actually just start thinking about your own financial goals, right? Think about short-term, medium-term and long-term because I think that's something that no one really actually sits down And writes out. I mean, have you written out what your short term goals are, what your medium, what your long term? It's kind of like a business plan, really.
4: I have. I have as well.
3: But
5: we haven't
2: written a business plan. (laughs) 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 Hopefully, your goals are in the business as well, right? (laughs) So you've sort of done half the job. (laughs) Speak
3: to your parents or speak to friends. It's always good to get a warm referral to a financial advisor as well. Um, Someone that your family or friends have used and are trusted and have done a good job for them. That's always the best clients that we get are from our existing clients because they know our track record and they can trust us. Um, I guess people are, sh- are scared after um, what was it, Michelle Cuddick Yeah, and yeah, yeah. everything that happened there. And there's so many different Ponzi schemes out there. But if you look at the advisor register. You can search both of us, Candice, myself um, and any potential advisor that you do want to seek advice from to see if they're actually legit.
5: It feels like a bit of a dating scenario. Like you, you go in there, you have a meeting and then you decide if I want to entrust my money with them. So Candice, as someone who's probably had a lot of those initial potential client meetings and, you know, had that first date experience over and over again, what advice do you have? What questions should we be asking to figure out if this is someone we want to form a financial relationship with?
2: If you go back to why you would go to a doctor or you've been referred to a certain specialist, you might go with a bunch of questions that you want to ask because we all have that, you know, or very commonly with like we don't want to waste the doctor's time, right? So going in prepared is my first thing. Questions like, you know, how long you've been in the industry, like Felicity saying, do your so do, you do do your homework every What advisor. are your qualifications? Yeah. Can you actually every, give this every advice? advice is pretty much <laughs> on LinkedIn. So you get a bit of a one oh one straight away if you go to LinkedIn. And then once you get rid of the sort of like credentials, then I think it's a good starting point to go to what's your investment philosophy like as an investor, what ethical boundaries do you have, or do you think are important? And all of a sudden, if you're like, oh, this, this person's kind of just pushing their values onto me and they're not really listening to what maybe I want in the portfolio, then I don't think you'd be a good fit because at the end of the day, guys, it's a two-way relationship. It's a working relationship. You've got to have give and take you know, forward and backwards together because where we're really successful is when we become a sounding board, not only for our clients, but then we get bringing into, you guys can't see it because we're on a podcast, but I'm doing this with my arms. We get like a big bear <laughs> hug and we get to know the family account. We get to know the solicitor. We really take it on as like a family office and clients love that because now they're, they've, they really feel valued and respected. And going back to, I think the stat is like Australians are, only like 10% have advice. And when you're sick, you can either do it yourself, you know, get some home remedy stuff, or if you really want to knock on your head, you you just know that you need to go see a professional. And I think the industry is now lifting to that standard, same with the legal profession uh, and accountants. So it's exciting to be, you know, young advisors in the sense that we could be with our clients for the next 20, 30 years. So I think it's a great time. Mm.
3: There's so many strategies out there as well that you just wouldn't have heard of. Um, and I think we did an episode on debt recycling, you know, being able to use your lumpy asset to generate more wealth, turning non-deductible debt into deductible debt. Just little things that you wouldn't think about. Yeah, they're a bit of a pain to set up initially, um, but once you've got everything set up, smooth sailing.
4: Nice. So girls, you just uh, mentioned setting goals and it uh, it made me think, have you written goals for your financial advice business? What are you What are you guys trying to achieve? We know that Uh, closing the retirement gap um, is one, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, any sort of major goals you're trying to hit? One
3: billion assets under management within
2: the next five years? No, nothing. We we want that one bill, Mark. Um, Yeah, no, great question. So part of Shore and Partners, we're the bigger network, right? So we now manage, I think, 35 billion, as Insure does, 35 bill assets under management. So we want to take a little bit more of that piece of pie. Um, But yeah, full transparency, we have... Uh, Last time I counted, I do this on like a quarterly basis, about 130 ongoing clients. So they're like that that bear hug that I was talking about. They're your ongoing, um, regular touch, you know, family office style clients that we have, perhaps mum, dad, maybe the next generation. They're super with us, et cetera, like a couple of different things going on. And um, that's grown from pretty much nothing when Felicity and I teamed up and we, look, the market's volatile. So our farm obviously floats with the market. We were down 40% at one stage, um, but we're sitting around, we're halfway to our goal, basically.
4: Nice. Wow, yeah. congrats. Wow. 130. I don't know how you manage that, but full credit. Well, there's credit, two that's-
3: of us. Well, it's actually, so there's three of us. We've got Hersha as well. We're kind of building out a bit of a team. Nice. Um, which is important. And, you know, you really have the, we have the capacity to double, I believe. At this stage, because most financial advisors have around, 130. Yeah, okay. Per advisor.
5: So, just some quick maths. half a billion dollars across 130 clients. The average client has about $4 million.
3: Yeah, we've
2: got I don't clients.
5: Have $4 million, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I could probably benefit. Yeah, wow, well but if you look at
2: our book, right, we've got some clients that, um, you know, will have multiple million with us and then we also like to look after... The first investor. So we have a client that has you know thirty grand with us, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody needs advice. Mm. And just because you're a millionaire, or multi-millionaire, or billionaire, you know they started off somewhere as well. So we like to help all sides. And we're big in the non-profit sector as well. They need a lot of advice. So
3: yeah, we have a really diverse. From retail to wholesale, right? But I think any advisor is going to tell you that realistically they want less clients, more money. (laughs) I mean, that's a (laughs) (laughs) no-brainer.
5: Yeah, yeah. I I think, you know, it's obviously something that Bryce and I are super passionate about uh, just how the industry can help get more people advised and, you know, podcasts like Equity Mates are a pale imitation of uh, actually spending Getting educated one on one from an advisor. So, I think the more people that can access it, the better. Yeah.
3: Seeing a financial advisor doesn't necessarily cost the first time either, right? And Candace and I are happy to have a meeting with people from your network who want to go through an initial meeting. There's no commitment, just have a chat.
5: The other thing that we've learned from Equity Mates is it's all good and well to have an advisor, but if you don't have the financial literacy yourself, you can't ask the right questions, you can't challenge the advisor then you can just end up in a bad situation as well. We had someone DM us. We did a couple of episodes on superannuation and someone DM'd us afterwards and they said, I'm 30 years old and uh, after I listened to your series, I went and checked with my financial advisor how my super's going. 60% of his super was in cash Ooh. as a 30-year-old. Oh, oh, dear. Not yeah. Hard. And so I think, I think for us it re- really reinforced that like Even if you have an advisor, you need to become financially literate yourself. You need to understand what your money's got doings.
2: But it doesn't even have to be war and peace, right, Alec? Like go back to your goals. So it's pretty obvious that super, if you're young, you can't touch. So therefore you theoretically should have a long time horizon. Then think, okay, what are my kids or my future kids or my niece and nephew, like what are they going to invest in? you know maybe traditional fossil fuels is not the future for example and it doesn't it doesn't have to be rocket science you can just go back to the basics and then you can there's so much online like etf providers are great at this they're so good at educating through the index right i think and, if you're paying though for a fee right? you just go
3: look why am i in cash mm. i don't need cash if you're paying a fee every year you should be having at least one annual review so there's one tip make sure that you have your annual review. Otherwise you're paying a fee for no service.
4: Well, this is a good segue to superannuation because you're both very passionate about closing the gender retirement gap. So what are some steps that we should all be thinking about, you know, we just spoke about being underinsured at, at a young age. Superannuation is also not something that we might be thinking about as, uh, as much as we should be. So what are some steps that we should all take to set ourselves up for retirement? And, and I guess in particular, anything that women should be thinking about as well.
3: Sign up to super awards. We did an episode on it recently. You're essentially free money into your super from everyday spend. I mean, who wouldn't want that? That's a no-brainer. Yeah. And you can actually, if you don't want it to be part of your non-concessional contribution, so your after tax, in after 30 June, submit a notice of intent to claim and claim it as a personal deductible contribution. So it's going to reduce your taxable income at the same time with free money.
4: Yeah. Ren and I have been doing a bit of research into the super industry just because we want to get across it a little bit more. And I must say it is Overwhelmingly complex
1: oh, <laughs> for what should
4: just be a very simple idea non concessional, concessional, yeah. after this, before yeah, that, yeah. submit this, portion, submit that, non yeah. taxable, taxable, uh, this age, that age, before this date, after that hey, date. It's just
3: like government.
4: It's like government, if you want this stuff to be accessible and people to actually be engaged with it, all of this, it just seems. It seems complicated, yeah. but that's yeah why you guys exist, I yeah. guess. Anyway, gripe over, uh, continue.
2: <laughs> but, but one thing also, right, let's break it down, right? If you've just started the workforce, for example, you might not have a lot of super. Often you just get shoved into the default, whatever industry you're in, right? Then a couple of years later, you might have three or four. If you're at that stage, that's probably a key point for you to go, okay, let's have a plan let me think about my super because it is important it's behind the scenes it used to be nine percent of your net wealth now it's 10 right 10 and a half going up to probably 15 before we know it and it's getting harder and harder to access and probably going to be longer until we can touch it so it's in the background it's in this thing that you've got to focus on and firstly consolidate it know where it is is it the right partner do they have the right investment superannuation products for you. You know, what are you actually invested in? Can you ask that question? What are the fees? How is it tracking to other ones? Generally like, you know, the big ones like Australian super, they actually perform really well. And then when you get to the next point in life, it comes back to life moments. Let's say you get married or you're taking out a home loan, you're buying a property, your goals kind of reset again, because you're getting closer to retirement. You've maybe now partnered up with someone. So now all of a sudden double income, you know, can you talk self-managed super fund together? Like it's, do you get what I'm saying? It's about life moments. You go, it's a fluid plan because your life's fluid and you just, you should always go back to every now and again, hey, let me check in. Am I feeding my retirement enough? Well, that's
3: it. It's, it's 10% of your salary, essentially. And I just like to think of it as a investment vehicle. Mm. You know, it's actually the most tax effective investment vehicle you'll ever have. And then you've got companies and trusts and then your personal um, taxable income. So just think of it like that. Set and forget, you know, keep it invested. in index funds, right? You're invested for 20, 30 years there's no harm being in the index fund.
5: Yeah, the most tax efficient and administratively complex (laughs) investment vehicle. (laughs) So Candice and Felicity, we can't have financial advisors on the show without turning to property because it is the Australian dream and it's a dream that feels more and more out of reach for more and more people, uh, especially young people. Bryce and I, not so young anymore, but still out of reach for us as well. When you have clients that don't own a house or want to get on on the, you know, the residential property ladder, what are some of the steps you advise them to take? Basically help Bryce and I get a house.
3: <laughs> totally. Okay, so I think here it's a regular investment plan. I mean, can you give me a bit more information? What's the time horizon? When do you want this house? As soon Is as possible. Is it gonna be seven years? <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to Call be- it in the
5: next five.
3: In the next yeah. five years. All right. So you'd have to realistically have a lower, and more conservative asset allocation because as you know, equities is seven plus years. With rising interest rates, it's actually a really good time to be in more defensive positions like the hybrids, like the credit funds that can get you that 6% with taking on less risk. So I think Bryce said it earlier, it's that compound interest, right? And just kind of building up, not only with your returns, but building up with your regular investment plan. Pretty sure you can now put a deposit down on a property at the 10%. Get a good mortgage broker. There's fantastic mortgage brokers out there that will let you know right now how much you can borrow and or potentially how much more you need for that deposit. Uh, I think that we should have a good buying opportunity next year, to be honest. So, Mm. You might want to bring that forward, that three years.
5: I actually have spoken to a mortgage broker. still out of range. Still out of, <laughs> what no, are you I trying to buy?
3: <laughs> what are you trying to get, like a $10 million property in the
5: East? This rising interest rates downturn, it could be our chance. But um, I, I think, yeah, that's that's good advice. Uh, anything to add, Candace, to, to help us get started?
2: I think, um, I don't know your situation, right, but one thing that we commonly find is... First home buyers tend to get very emotional because it's their first bricks and mortar and it doesn't have to be your forever home. It can be what you can afford right now. Smart investment, do your research and then we make money in property because we leverage so much, right? We can borrow heaps, right, if we put down five, 10% and then it can be a short five, year, 10-year thing and then move on to the next. Full disclosure, I'm looking at the property market right now because I'm seeing where I live, we had crazy COVID numbers and now all of a sudden, remember when like property, uh, remember when agents would list something like on a Thursday, Friday and be sold by Sunday, Monday? Mm. That environment's gone and we're back to, quite unquote, the normal property market where people need a liquidity event. People are trying to sell first no more bridging financing, you know, it's not that FOMO anymore. So the property market is slowing down for sure. And I'm seeing signs where I locally live and, you know, they're on the market for six to eight weeks. So I think there is an opportunity if you're not in to think about it and have a savings buffer, start to build up that capacity And, you know, don't get emotional. That's my big tip.
3: Mm. I think also if you've not bought a property yet, you could look at the first home super saver scheme. Maybe that's something you can look at. See if you can actually use your superannuation to get that deposit but you'll need to see a CFA financial advisor.
2: <laughs> All right,
3: guys, before we wrap this episode,
2: cause it's been super fun chatting with you. I just had a burning question for you both. <laughs> we talked about property. I kind of want to now pick your brains on your perspective on the market, right? So here's my question. If you could only pick one sector to own shares in for the next 10 years, what would it be and why? So you can only play in that one sector.
3: But don't do that because that's bad financial advice.
2: <laughs> no, it's <fine. laughs> One
3: sector. Like
5: a thematic. For the next 10 yeah. years.
3: So I'm thinking like theme, well, like what do you think is going to be the
2: next big theme that you're like, I'm just going to back this.
5: Well, I mean, uh, the obvious answer is the next big theme is going to be the same as the last big theme, which is software. Or tech. Generally. Yeah, I yeah.
4: go like artificial intelligence. Yeah,
5: interesting. <laughs> but I,
4: I recognize I, reckon- I, re- I recognize
5: they're not super interesting answers. The other, the other really obvious theme you would say is the climate.
4: Climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything in also like uh, bi uh, like med tech. Pretty, okay. some pretty yeah, fascinating yeah. stuff coming out of the metaverse?
2: world. Metaverse. Of- Are you guys into the metaverse?
4: Uh, I I'm not sold. <laughs> I can see it. Who have to buy
2: property <laughs> but, uh, if you want to in the metaverse?
5: Well, have you seen, have <laughs> you seen property prices price. in the metaverse? Like Decentraland and stuff, it's bloody I, uh, expensive there as well.
2: It's <laughs> not we a big
3: had- thing. Yeah, I, don't, I don't get it either. I had friends buy one in the metaverse and I'm like, but you need one outside the metaverse. You can't actually live in it. We might not
4: though. In 10 years, it might be that the people in the metaverse will be doing better with their property than those out of it. But you'll still need it a roof over yeah. your head. Uh, get a tent. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is internet.
5: Get a really good set of VR, a VR headset that doubles as brain exactly.
0: protection.
4: <laughs> is your silly <any> business idea? Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think I think the exciting thing for Ren and I, Candace, is that um, it feels like, well, we're certainly at a point where you know, we can take the opportunity to get into a lot of these industries and sectors at an early stage. Like if you do think about decarbonisation, you think about AI, you think about metaverse, even cryptocurrency, you think about software, like, yes, it's been, some of those themes have been around for a while, but so much of it is just developing at such rapid pace that we're at a pretty lucky point in time where we can get in on a lot of Mm. it at an early stage. It's hard to tell the winners, but ETFs.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I've thought of one. It's not so much a sector thematic, but it's a geographic thematic. Southeast Asia. I'm just super bullish on the not advice but I'm super bullish on the demographic story in Southeast Asia. The amount of people in Indonesia, the Philippines, Malaysia, even like Vietnam and stuff like that that, you know, their their incomes are rising, they're getting connected to the internet, they're skipping computers and going straight to smartphones, but it means they're connected to this whole world. We've got about 5 million, sorry, 5 billion internet users today in the next 10 years, you would expect everyone will get connected to the internet with, you know, Elon's Starlink satellites and everything else. I just think there's so much, so much potential in Southeast Asia so true. that I'm really excited about. Yeah. That's so yeah. right.
3: And I think actually we have an idea there. C Limited is one of the big large cap US companies that plays on that and is being sold off a lot. And we've still got Blackstone, which is nickel and copper. In Vietnam,
5: Mm. And my big gripe with the ASX, well, not so much a gripe, but I think they're missing an opportunity. We should be the home of all these Southeast Asian uh, companies. They should be, the ASX should be courting them and convincing them to list in Australia. They shouldn't need to go to the United States. We should be getting the next uh, go-to, don't list in Indonesia, list in Australia. Why don't we we go over
3: there (laughs) and get them to come and list through us? We could do that have a a business meeting in Indonesia.
5: We could, we could. I'm more than happy to let the ASX do the hard work, (laughs) but I think, um, you know, Australia is a well-regulated liquid market with heaps of capital and we should be attracting some of the next generation of really exciting companies from outside our borders. Nice. Anyway, that's my rant. (laughs) (laughs) Love it.
3: So I guess just from our perspective, realistically, it's staying the course for all investors, right? You know, things could get a little bit Worse, we could see a little bit more of a downturn as we have more quantitative tightening. Right, that could ramp up in September because the Fed is actually going to be de- reducing its balance sheet by about 90 billion US from the 17 bill. But for us, Candice and I, our clients, hopefully your listeners, our listeners, it's a really good buying opportunity. Right, this volatility is a great buying opportunity.
5: Mm. <laughs> Not advice. No, exactly. <laughs> General <laughs> advice only. <laughs> General <laughs> advice. That's definitely the message that Bryce and I have internalised, and it, it's it's hard to do. Like you, you know, you get you get nervous when your stocks are down and you're in the red, but you look back and Bryce and I lament so much that we weren't really investing in 2008 and we're going to kick ourselves so much if we miss the opportunity in 2022.
3: And things take ages to play out. Like I even said it in one of our episodes, Silex, I've been in for four or five years. It's only just really playing out now. You have to be patient.
4: Well, I think that is a great place to to wrap it, Candice and Felicity. It's been uh, really enjoyable talking to you both. I hope you've been able to... uh, shed some light on the importance of financial advice for those that are um, thinking about going out and getting some. And uh, congratulations on one year anniversary as well. You guys have certainly put in the hard yards over the last 12 months building Talk Money To Me. It's a fantastic podcast. If you uh, haven't subscribed, make sure you go over uh, wherever you find your podcasts and uh, and listen to the girls because they'll continue to uh, help you navigate the world of financial advice without necessarily needing to go and see one directly. You'll pick up some tips along the way. <laughs> <laughs> but do go and see them because, as I hope you heard, they both certainly know what they're talking about. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you very much, Canison. and for Thanks,
0: us. guys. Thanks for having us. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.